Good evening, Ten Mile. Am I on? Yeah, okay. My name is Jared Pryor, for those who don't know me. Um, I'm just going to be emceeing tonight uh, as this kicks off. Um, but I wanted to give you all a little bit of background information as we have testimonies about the migrant worker ministry that took place at the end of September. Um, just in case any of you are not familiar with the story, I'm going to give just a brief synopsis. So uh, two years ago, uh, Kenny Wilson, who used to work for IBSA and North American Mission Board, asked myself, uh, Jeremy Wilson, his nephew, and David and Linda to go up to Chicago to Starting Point um, a Community Church to pass out fruit and vegetables. Uh, as I got to know the pastor, Jonathan, uh, after we finished passing out the fruit and vegetables the, and the pumpkins, um, I, I went up to Pastor Jonathan and I said, hey, you know, this conversation recently took place at a family lunch. Um, my nephew works uh, for a, uh, a farm nearby that has a lot of migrant workers and would love to share the gospel with them. You all speak Spanish. We don't. Maybe you can come down and help us with this. And I had no clue where it was going to go from there because I don't work in farming um, or do I know any migrant, or at the time didn't know any migrant workers. So the next day, Leon Adams calls me up. Leon, Leon had just started coming to my Sunday school class, and he had seen pictures I had posted that had pumpkins in it. And he said, hey, I think those pumpkins you passed out in Chicago were actually pumpkins I grew. And then the floodgates opened from there, and one thing led to the next, and the, the Lord just continued to make connections and bring people together. Um, this was our second year of doing this ministry uh, last fall, we had 17 migrant workers come to Christ. This fall, we had 40. Um, so the Lord is at work in ways that we can't possibly fathom. Uh, he continues to move, and there's ideas of where this may go. Uh, but the Lord is clearly at work, and I want you to hear stories from those that were participating in this tonight. Um, you heard Tony speak this morning, just interesting connection there. Tony and I went to seminary in New Orleans 20 years ago. Um, although... I, I knew Tony because everybody knew Tony. Um, he was always up on the stage helping with lead worship in chapel, um, but he didn't know who I was until the past couple years with this ministry. So it's neat how the Lord weaved us back together after 20-some-odd years. So I want to open with this passage of Scripture before I call up. We're going to have three different sets of people come up and share testimony. Um, but the reason we do this is, is because... Scripture talks about this occurring uh, with the Apostle Paul at the end of the first missionary journey, returning to Antioch, and this happens in the end of uh, Acts chapter 14. And it says, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that, the, at, that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples." So they came back and they shared how the Lord had opened up the doors for the gospel he shared amongst the Gentiles. And specifically for us, this says the door has been opened with the migrant workers here. So as we begin testimony time this evening, I want to bring up our youth this evening. We've got Hunter, Lily, and Sally who are going to come up and I'm going to interview them briefly if you would come on up all together. So take your time in answering. You don't have to rush. Um, uh, but So the first question, and I want each of you to answer these questions as we go along, but uh, 
just generally speaking, what was your favorite part of participating and volunteering in the Migrant Worker Ministry this year? Personally, my favorite part was getting to interact with some of the people that I previously worked with because the common knowledge and just the connection was already there, so they were much more willing to open up to me and just talk to me, and having interpreters to actually know what they're saying was really nice. Um, one of my, the question was, what was our favorite thing, right? My, one of my favorite things was coming here to church in the afternoons and getting to cook with the ladies and just getting to hang out with um, the members from the churches in Chicago and getting to know them a little bit better. And um, my favorite thing was getting to talk to them. And similarly, what Hunter said, it's nice to have someone who knows what they're talking about. Okay. Next question is, what is the item that stood out the most to you in, in your time volunteering and being around the migrant workers? Uh, they're just very kind and welcoming people, and whenever you go up to talk to them, I know as much as we hate to admit it, we kind of are judgmental towards them, and tend, people just tend to do that, and they're not like that. You go up to them, and they're happy to talk to you. They want to talk to you. They want to have a conversation. They want to get to know you. They don't care what color your skin is. They don't care where you're from. They just are happy, and they're just enjoying life. Okay. What stood out to me the most was when we would, after dinner, kind of similar to what Hunter said, um, how ex like excited they were to worship and how um, like longing they were to hear uh, um, just about God and talk with us and just hear about our lives and get to talk. And um, like so since we had translators, we got to talk to them and hear some of their stories about their family, what they like to do at home and different things like that. And what I found most interesting about it was, um, was how just accepting everybody was and how everyone was willing to talk. And um, I loved how everybody sang with each other. It was, it was good. Okay. Final question for the three of you is, what is the most significant thing that you learned during this time? Or what is the most significant thing that the Lord taught you? Um, I just find it interesting that they coming here like one individual from last year stated that um, he was just eager for somebody to tell him about Christ and he but he didn't know where to find it or how to get it and us coming to him was an answer to his prayers and he really needed Christ and us coming was able to fulfill that Um, what I learned was that um, sometimes, okay, so I was a little nervous kind of to talk to some of them, but like just stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things that aren't familiar can really stretch you and grow you in your faith. And what I learned was just um, how willing these people were to learn and listen to you and that's about it. Okay. Thank you all.
Um, so as they return to your seat or to their seats, uh, you know, we had a great involvement from our youth this year. I don't know exactly how many came, but we had a significant involvement this year and last year with the youth. And I know the guys would sometimes point that out, just how impressed they were with our young people and how they served. Um, in addition to that, we had almost 100 people from 10 Mile that served this year, uh, whether through cooking desserts, brownies, cakes beforehand, or came and served actually volunteering each night. And that's a significant portion of our body that came to serve. In addition to that, we probably had close to 50 people from other churches. Emmanuel went to help in, in Sugar Camp, went to help in Centralia, also First Baptist Centralia, where the migrant ministry was housed. They had people that helped there. Um, we also had the 16 or so from Chicago, from various Hispanic churches that came down to serve. Um, I don't know if I'm forgetting any other churches or not, but I guess we had a couple from First Baptist Car or El Dorado that also came. Um, so Leon can fill more in if I missed any, but that's a significant number of people to, to accomplish something like this. Um, you know, a significant portion of this was also uh, Erica Lassiter's coordination of food and running all over the place to, to make it happen. So we thank Erica for all that she did in that. Um, so the next uh, couple I'm going to have come up are Gary and Helen Mullins as they're going to share. No, I'm just going to let you talk. <laughs> Gary and Helen are going to share with us briefly, and then I'm going to have Chris Houghton come up after them. So. <laughs> I'll let Helen interview you. All right. Yeah, I'll ask you you want to well, I was hesitant to start out with because I don't speak Spanish. Um, but the first night at Wayne City, when the workers came in from the shower trailer, they had smiles on their faces, and they were reaching out their hand to shake our hand. And just, it amazed me. And the worship service that night was amazing. We went to church. The only word I knew was Jesus but we had a worship service, and the people were so hungry. It amazed me to learn that many of these workers have never heard the gospel. And here we are in southern Illinois and take what we have for granted. It was amazing. Um, communication, I don't think, was that big of a problem with the ones that were cooking here. If you didn't understand something, you would try to word it a different way, or the translators would help you. Um, we got to know the people individually. They wanted to know, like Hunter said, about what we do, our lives, and we got to learn about them and how every day they opened up a little more to us. They felt more comfortable, didn't feel like, uh, well, they just felt welcomed, and I was really proud of 10 Mile for that. You got any more? That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> he told me three minutes. <laughs> uh, I was hoping you'd take more time. I thought, uh, I don't know for sure, how, how did I get involved with this? Well, Helen called me one day. She came over here to help cook the meals. So she called and said, I need you to bring a, a burner over and a propane tank because they've got a big kettle of, uh, what do they call that stuff? I don't know. What was the Pozzoli or something like that. 
Well, I had no idea what that was, so I brought a burner over and I brought some uh, uh, a propane tank. All I did was sit outside and watch the burner, make sure, and they put these big old kittle things on there. So every once in a while, the ladies would come out and they'd they'd say something. I didn't know what they were saying, but I knew they were cooking some kind of soup there. Is what they were doing, I guess. And uh, I ended up eating on, eating some of that too. And it was good. So anyway, that kind of started a you know a little bit of a relationship with them. And then before we left that day to go home, get ready to go to that worship service that Helen was talking about, as this young boy come up and he gave me a big old hug, Benicio, and uh, that was that was beat. I didn't know him, he didn't know me, but he gave me a big hug. Little did I know that a few weeks later he'd be spending the night at my house. And it was a blessing to serve and to help. And I know this is about the, the migrant workers and, and everything. And that it's, a, it's a great uh, uh, ministry to, to be in. It really is. They, they need that. But I want to tell you something, what I'm, what I'm, I hate to use the word proud, I'm, I'm pleased, I'm happy to belong to a church for over 44 years that reaches out. And uh, I remember many years ago, uh, some ladies got together and said, we need to start a, uh, buy presents for children in the area for Christmas. And I remember when that started. It's been a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I think at that point when that happened, I think God began blessing us in a, in a mighty way. I really do. And this church has been involved in a lot of things. Uh, and the Tony mentioned this morning, Brother Tony, something that really, really spoke to me. He said something about, I don't know if he was outside I don't. I, could, I didn't understand him real well, but I understood a lot of him. He said, uh, "It's Ten Mile Missionary Baptist Church." Ten Mile Missionary, and that spoke to me this morning. We are we are a missionary church, and we have done a, a lot. And I know we're not done. And uh, we have teams going to Mexico. We have we have people doing things. Uh, to spread the gospel in some way, however we can. So it, it was a blessing to me to be involved with this, no more than I did, and I didn't do much, believe me. But it was a, it was a blessing to me. And uh, I just thank the church, because you are the church. So that's all I got. Forrest Gump, say, that's all I got. <laughs> Thanks, Gary and Helen. Um, just real quick to piggyback on a couple of things they said. You know, Helen talked about the time of worship. I mean, we were literally, literally, if you know where the school was that we went to, and I can't remember what the name of the school was, Oak Grove, um, just north of the interstate, about four miles west of the gas station as you're on the way to, to Wayne City. I mean, we're literally out in the middle of a cornfield, you know, in this old rundown schoolhouse, and we're worshiping God. <laughs> in a significant way and watching these guys that you know in, in multiple languages worshiping God and and nobody else around us knew what was what the significance was of what was going on at that place you know again as 
40 guys came to know Christ in our old rundown school building. Um, in addition to that, I also had an experience with uh, Vinicio. Um, they were, he and Alexander Hercules, if any of you met Alexander Hercules, he's a fairly hefty guy. His name fits him well. Um, but they were here visiting. They came down to visit, as Gary alluded to, Vinicio staying at his house. Uh, Vinicio was sitting next to me at lunch a week ago, and he asked me what I do for a living. And I said, well, I'm a counselor. And he didn't know what that meant in his language. So I said, well, I talk to people about their struggles every day. And about after five minutes or so, he looked at me and he said, well, who do you talk to about your struggles? <laughs> And I said, that was very perceptive, Vinicio. So just in a short time, getting to know these people, knowing their hearts and, uh, and their love for Christ. Um, so now I want to have Chris Houghton come up, and he will be our final testimony before uh, Leon Adams comes up to share with us. So thank you, Chris. So I, I happen to serve on the Illinois State Baptist Association's Resource Development Committee. Uh, committee as well too so I actually serve with Jonathan uh, that uh, Jared had had mentioned and so I had heard uh, mentioned obviously we'd done it one year we're getting ready to do it uh, the second year so it was talk here at church about uh, that taking place and I can tell you um, my daughter went on a mission trip to Africa changed her life um, my mother been to China um, and uh, and my son Devin went with my mother, and they've been to uh, to uh, the Dominican Republic. And I have just never felt the call to leave, to go. It, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Just never felt that because it seemed like there was so much to do here, you know, as well. Like I was waiting for it to come to me. Boom, I'm up at the meeting in Springfield, and Nate Adams asks, Hey, Jonathan, I hear about this great mission that you guys just had, and what's going on? Jonathan stands up, and he starts talking about the wonderful thing that went, and we're coming to Southern Illinois. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. I'll be there. And I stood up and, and told him, and so uh, Mom wanted to go. We signed up. Uh, we're ready. Of course, she's getting directions from Jared, who you just heard describe where the place was in the middle of nowhere, right? And she tells me, okay, we go up here, we'll take a left. So we're on the road, and we're flying down, and come to a stop sign, and, and here, coming to the right, coming from the north for me, is, is Lucas and his family. And I thought, well, we're at least in the general facility. I keep on flying, and Lucas pulls in behind me, and I thought, Oh, good Lord, if he's following me, he's lost too. So the next stop sign we come to, I get out, run back there and say, Lucas, I have no idea where I'm going. So if you're following me, all we're going to do is get there quick. He said, well, I think you're on the right path. Sure enough, we kept on going, and there it was. And when we pulled up, what a joy to see all the folks from 10 Mile that was there. And I mean... Everybody was there with their children. Jonathan Hampson was there. And you want to talk about a working maniac. His son. I mean, that boy. Of course, he's got a time card that he, he clocks in at uh, work, I guess. And so every chance he get, he was asking for something to do. And man, he would get it done as well, too. 
And uh, so the excitement's building. We're getting the place ready. Now all we need is bodies, you know. And the whole time in this prep, see, I had had two years of Spanish when I was in high school. And I thought, uh, you know, probably the phrases that I learned in my preparation. We went to Mexico, uh, kind of a senior trip on where's the bathroom and where's the pretty girls is not going to work up here. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit better than than that. And I don't know what possessed me, but I decided, because I will not listen to her directions if Siri tries to tell me to turn left or right when I'm going somewhere. But I decided to ask her, you know, some basic particular phrases. And I thought I had the word pumpkins down. I did. I thought I had it. But we get to there, uh, we're dealing, and, 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 uh, the fellows have come in. I've, I've walked out back. I was trying to find something else to do. And here's this van load of them, you know, pouring out, kind of coming towards me. I'm like, ooh, here I am. Como esta? You know, está bien. You too. Yeah. So I'm saying hello as they come in. Boom, they're going right through. It's like, okay, I'm on a row. So now I just got to engage one about pumpkins. So I go up to one of the gentlemen who was obviously the bridge between Spanish and English, and I said, hey, I just want to kind of make for sure that this is, you know, is this the word? And he, I say it, he looks at me, he's like, mm, no. <laughs> so I thought, okay, that list that I worked on, I'm turning that up all the way, because whatever I was going to ask, I probably shouldn't have been asking. But, uh, you know, there, there was so much going on, and, and, I, and I, I got to interact with a lot of our own up there as well, too. So, you know, we're ready. Dave Allen whips in with the, this van, and he's carrying these big things that Erica has cooked that uh, these two little fellas climb out of a particular van, and they grab hold of take on, uh, and, and then there's this big old cooler in there, and I, I reach in to grab hold of that and give it a big old pull, and it doesn't move. It's a big white cooler full of drinks and soda. And Dave looks at me. He's like, what's the matter? <laughs> I was like, that's heavy. He said, oh. He said, them two fellas put it in there. And I was like, okay, well, now I guess i got to get it out, you know. But about that time, Hunter shows up. And I said, well, Hunter, grab the end of this particular thing. And he did with one hand until we got it out. And then he threw the other one on there, and I said, now I feel better about this, for sure. But, I mean, them kids were there to do it. And, and it's like Jared said, uh, you know, what they're not looking for, what they're looking for is a smile. They're looking for a connection. You may not have to speak their particular language, but they can tell what you're giving off. And, and as I sat there with 10-mile folks, and I tell you, really, you got to get there with seniors as well, because those people that have been through it before, they know the kind of jobs to do. Somehow or another, Dave Crane and Roger Lee got to set out all the desserts. They literally touched every dessert plate, and they had them all inside. I'm like, why am I not putting out desserts? I'm grabbing hold of 500 pounds with... <clears throat> but what, the, what those gentlemen were looking for were, were just smiles. A little share. Because as I sat there and looked at him and thought to myself, if I was not in my hometown, if I was not in my particular country, 
And I came here to try to make a better life for my particular family. What would I want to encounter? I'd want to encounter you people. Because you were there with big old smiles. And, and it made it all the way to their eyes as well too. Whether it was the kids or the adults, you could just feel it. And so when they started, when we started to worship, it was church out in the middle of nowhere for sure. And that fear of mine of not wanting to go anywhere for a mission got resolved because the mission came to me. It's right here in our backyards as well too. And you know, I wouldn't presume to tell you what should motivate you or what you would do, but we've been studying through Mark, you know, and reading about Jesus going outside of his particular area specifically to talk to Gentiles, those that were not, you know, involved in the Jewish particular religion, those that the Romans were, didn't want to have anything to do with as well, too. Because he was taking the message to the people, and that's what he's asked us to do. And it, it was a, a great opportunity. And I, I appreciate the opportunity that 10 Mile got involved. I appreciate those that were there the night that, that I was because I got to see us loving on them and, and how much they appreciated it as well too. And don't get me wrong because if you ask the right particular fellow whether the hot sauce is truly hot, he may tell you with a look that says, oh yeah, Go ahead, just to see what kind of expression you might get on your face when you put it into your soup. But uh, no, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for this time as well, too. So. Leon. This will work. Good evening. I have to say that I also had the pozole. I didn't know that boiled hog's feet could taste so good, but they did. It was really good. That's the pork that was in that with the, the hominy. It was fantastic. So, hey, enjoy. Make some at home. Go get you some hog's feet somewhere. Boil them out. It'll be good. You got to try it again. It was excellent. So. Well, there you go. We'll have some here on Wednesday night. That's what's got to happen. <clears throat> uh, I am so thankful uh, for what I've seen of this church and the other churches that have supported us. You know, when we think about 90-plus people of 10 Mile alone, that is very humbling to me to see the response from a church. And uh, that is something to not ignore in the fact that a church body would so willingly jump on to such a project in servitude and uh, in prayer and in time. And when I, look at, when I look at all the things that took place over the past couple of years with all this and what has come through uh, my position in this, I, I, again, I'm continually floored at the support because I didn't have to go get it. It came to me through the phone through people that I knew. God sent the support that we absolutely had to have. 10 Mile sends uh, 20, 25 people each night. We had more help than we really needed. I mean, let's, let's admit it. We had plenty of help. But same thing at Centralia. Uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church sent several for two nights. 
IBSA uh, for through First Baptist in El Dorado uh, sent us the DR team and a couple people there, Sugar Camps sent us several people for Wednesday night. First Baptist Church in Centralia where we hosted had two or three people there each night. And then through all that, Cornerstone Baptist Church in Marion had an individual. They had prayer time with their mission team people and so did Crossroads Baptist Church in Centralia as well. That's Southern Illinois. And then you got seven Hispanic churches in Chicago and Effingham. Praise God for all of it because the phone just kept ringing for me. We're, we're around doing things, farming, state fair, whatever it is. Phone call after phone call of people that I didn't know that had listened to Jonathan, Tony, or heard it from word of mouth, whoever it was, that said, we want to help you. We want to pray for you. We want to send people. We want to give something. We want to participate. The hunger within our own churches in Southern Illinois is truly there. And as I, as I wrestled with so many of those things and watched God do things, the, the, the DR team call, they said, we got this food trailer, we can roll out all these cooking utensils and, and cookers and burners and all these things. Is that something you could use? I said, I, I have no idea. We got a small kitchen at the school. Maybe we need that. So they brought it. The very week of the event, they had sewer backup problems every day at that school. Too much water. The showers were backing up into the kitchen. The kitchen was flooded the morning of our first night. Satan likes to press the button. And because we had the food equipment there that was committed to over a month in advance, because we had our ability to be down here at this church and cook, everything was taken care of. It was smooth. It was easy. It went well. We had plenty of help to make it all happen to work through the struggle. Because God went ahead in front and took care of every part. <clears throat> and as I, as I dig into myself and, and wrestle with what is the missionary effort uh, and working with, in my own heart, my own mind about that, I, I think a lot about uh, a man I like to listen to a lot if I get the chance, Phil Robertson. Phil is, Phil is great at laying it out in front of you to say what he was and what God has done for him. And I can only do the same thing in my own life because that's just, that's what he's shown me and that's what he's taught me. And as I, I, as I dig into what I am and in my own family, I have learned to seek God's will for my own life. Growing up and raising a family and seeking that for those that are under my care as well. And I have to understand some of the things that Caesar, one of the missionaries that was with us, a family friend of ours that got the opportunity to come, which was another God story we won't go into now, but he got to come down here and be part of the mission team with the other pastors and the people from Chicago. A family friend of ours who's been a missionary all over the world in the Hispanic culture. We hope that his wife, Luce, will be able to join us next year. But as he went through talking with these men individually, I could only dig into my own imperfections as a human being. Uh, my own sin, my own selfishness, my own imperfections. I've lied, been a gossip, I've been a backbiter, I've been unloving. I've not always been a good friend or a father or a husband. I have let people down, I've hurt them. 
I've been unloving myself as a man many times. I can recognize these things in myself because of the blessings God's given me. And what blessings it is to, number one, be born in this country. We sometimes maybe skip over that because we think of the state of Illinois and property taxes and all these things, and we think this is, maybe it's better somewhere else. But the fact is, each one of these people that Tony talked about today and all these men here are saying the same thing. What a blessing to you it is to live in this beautiful place called Southern Illinois. What a blessing it is to have been raised in a Christian home, to have been taught God's Word, to have found a Christian wife and a Christian family, and the ability to build a business within a Christian concept and build that for my own children and the next generation. All of those blessings are things that he has been showing me getting to know some of these people because when you hear their stories, as I will share a few in a minute, you will start to dig into more of your own blessings. And all I can think of was Paul in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 13, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord is exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is all faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. I am a chief sinner too. But he was willing to use me. And he's willing to use you. <clears throat> you see that, you're starting to feel that, you're starting to understand that. Jake's been talking about it for weeks and I'm so thankful that my pastor is willing to dig into the depth, the difficult, the blessings, and all the things that go with sharing who Jesus Christ is in your life with someone else. The parable of the sower and all the scripture that he's been laying out to us is at the core of who Christ is asking us to be with people. <clears throat> Some of these men that, that we were able to visit with at the dinner table, we Cesar sat with me and, and he translated and this guy is brilliant because he can, he can listen to someone else speaking in Spanish, translate it to me in my ear seamlessly. This guy keeps talking. He's translating it to me. We don't have to stop and have a pause. He can just roll it right into my ear. And he, the, young, the gentleman that sat across from me while we ate pozole says, I went to church when I was six, and I don't think I've ever been back. And I've heard of Jesus, but I have no idea who he is. I don't have a clue. And a couple of the men that work at our place that operate forklifts for us sat across from me and, and said, thank you for your generosity. No one has ever done something like this for us. And shouting, Jesus loves you, across the room to a group of men and a group of 10-mile churchgoers sounds really uncomfortable, doesn't it? But we did, Jonathan made us do it, and we all stood there and we hollered, Jesus loves you, and they had, to, they had to holler it in English to us, and we had to say, Jesus te ama, Jesus loves you, and it broke ice, and it broke down any kind of barriers, and the barrier that touched my heart the most was as we passed out their Bibles and helped them to learn how to look it up, 
Where is the Scripture? Where do you find it in your Bible? Can I read a Spanish Bible and help them find where the Scripture is at? Can we go through it and can we read it together? Right here in this room of 40-some men plus all 10-milers. But those men and what was their lives and their situations seemed like this year maybe took a little bit of a second seat to what it was for the mission team from Chicago. For 26 people to come down from seven different churches and get together to come here, whom most of which had never met each other, to come here to this place, to work with us, to struggle through the language barrier, to, to try to fix two giant meals in two different locations and be mindful of the mission at hand of sharing the gospel, who Jesus Christ is in their own life and who he can be for someone else is, in some cases, a monumental task if you just try to do it on your own. But with God at hand, he made each one of those things flow so smoothly. And for them to participate with us, to see our children participate with us, to see us try to our hardest and them try their hardest to work through language barrier or whatever it was, touch their lives tremendously. Because unfortunately, as for a lot of these people that come to the country, they basically view generosity, missions, and outreach to us, to the Anglo, to the white church, that that's our job in some ways, and to find the, the, the heart and the scripture and the knowledge to do that themselves has been something for some of them, not all, for some of them, a very large hurdle for them to jump personally. And like Tony showed you the day, the 67-year-old lady up there praying over the young man who was soon to be baptized at her first mission trip at 67 years old. And for each one of those people, for each one that got to be here and participate in that, opening their eyes to missions and what God's Word says about that to the individual, not to the ethnicity, was such an impactful thing to each one of their lives. And the only picture I've got up here is one that impacted me the most because when we think about the hunger, the hunger is real for these men for those churches and the hunger is real for us because why else would I have so many churches inundate me with questions and a desire to help Cesar Kiros the missionary friend of ours was with us and Hercules Alexander Hercules and we're just going to call him Hercules because it fits him well and he they said can we go to the field we want to see how they pick the pumpkins so we go out and we drive out to 185 acres, and they were way out in the middle, and we drive all the way out there, and everybody's just quiet looking in the truck at the pumpkins lined up here and there and everywhere, and the bus is running, and they just had stopped for lunch, and they get out, and, and Cesar's a little bitty guy, but he jumps right into it, and he jumps into the bus, and he just starts sharing the truth with about 15 young men inside this bus, and he has a process, and he'll explain it to you. And, and it's a process of working through them and explaining who Jesus Christ is and what he can be in your life. And the question he asked them was, if you were to die tonight, where would you be? Where would you go? 
Then there was a silent pause, and finally one young man, Luis, he raised his hands. He says, I think I would, I, I would hope that I would go to heaven if God would allow it. And he says, time out, time out. Let's, let's, let's back up and dig into this a little deeper. And so he goes back through it with him again, and he understands who Christ is, and he died for us, and all the things that we all heard a million times in church, and we, we, we hear it over and over, and he, he comes back to him, he says, so if you stood at the gates of heaven in the morning, and they ask you, what right do you have to be here? What would you tell them? He says, from what you've told me, because he's died for me and he forgave me, I can enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight? He says, absolutely. And he did. Right there in the bus, in the field, in a pumpkin field, among 15 of his other friends, and accepted the Lord as his Savior for the rest of his days. The hunger is real. John 4.35 says, the fields are white, they're ready for harvest, but the workers are few. It's everywhere. And my question for you is, are you willing to share who Jesus Christ is in your life? Not just with a person that maybe can't speak English good, or is a migrant missionary, or migrant worker, or someone else. Is it the strange family member at the holidays that you know is lost? Is it the neighbor down the road that is a little difficult to talk to? Is it the stranger on the street that you bump into that might lead to a conversation that could take you who knows where? Are you willing to go there for the name of Jesus Christ to share who you are as a person, as a man, as a woman, as a husband and a father and a mother? Are you willing to share those things with someone else? To dig into the deepest part of who you are and what Christ has done for you. Will you go there? Because it's awkward. It's tough. Can you reason through the difficulties in your own life and who you are in your mind and your heart and be able to share that with another human being so that they can understand who Christ is and what he's done for you? Satan's going to trip you up. Jake's been telling us about that too. There's always a thing. There's always something that, that, that he can work into and get something under your fingernail to agitate you. And, and I've had it before. I had it, I had it within days. Someone saying, what, what Leon is such a hypocrite for allowing these men to work on Sunday while he gets up and goes to church. And so I had to wrestle with that just a little bit. What a statement. And I'm thankful for the statement. I really am. Because it's taught me that this effort for these men and any kind of legalistic mentality that we might have already put in our brain that we have to be here on Sunday morning. And that is the only way that we can be right with Christ leads us to a struggle. It will lead us into a struggle. Because these men don't have that option. These people coming from across the border, they did not have the opportunity to stop at a church every single time Sunday rolled around as they've tried to get here seeking political asylum, seeking a better life, seeking the opportunity to survive, to get away from gangs that are trying to get them to come into their, to their cult and stay with them. And, and several young men 
uh, one of the one of the Emmanuel uh, workers said, I saw the tattoos on their necks. He said, I know that they were gang members at one time, and that's why they're probably here working, try to getting away from that pressure. And I'm thankful for the fact that I can dig into who he is for me and what the God's Word says about what he's done for me. And I hope that you can do the same for you. If you are, if you are thinking that any of this is of question with these men, of a struggle of what do we do with discipleship, what do we do with outreach beyond this event, i got to be the first to tell you I don't always have the answer. I don't know. I don't know where it takes us. I don't know what it looks like beyond this. But I can tell you looking back, he has given me every step. He's shown all of us. He's shown every church. And he has sent all the things that we need to make it happen. Beyond that, I trust him. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm for it. I hope you are too. I'm thankful for your effort and thankful for your time. Am I on? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer now. Um, if you have any questions for us, feel free to you come up to Leon or myself or any of the folks that spoke on stage tonight and participated. Uh, but let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you uh, for the clear work that you were doing uh, in this place and, and in the, the migrant worker ministry, Lord, that you have um, brought the nations to us. And uh, may we be obedient in, in trusting you in that process, Lord, and continue to give guidance in, in what this looks like in the future. I pray for the discipleship of those that have come to know you um, as they are back home now. And I just pray that, uh, that, um, that what happened here will not leave them, Lord, that, uh, that they would invest in you and follow you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, I just pray for hearts here and continued participation, and thank you for the effort that has been uh, put forth by, by those in this room and others that are not here tonight. Father, we just praise you for how amazing you are and all that you've done, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.